Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into a special Monday afternoon edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Typically, we're on on Tuesdays, but, you know, I figure with a holiday, people doing barbecues and going out, probably wouldn't want to sit here and listen to us talk about wrestling on a Tuesday afternoon. So, hey, hopefully you got the day off tomorrow. Hopefully you're going to blow some stuff up safely. Hopefully you're going to grill some stuff. And uh, celebrate the 4th of July. What? I, I know it's kind of an oxymoron, blowing stuff up safely. I know, but <laughs> just be smart about it if you're going to do it. That's all I'm saying, SP3. That's all I'm saying. Man, you don't, you don't think about the people who are listening and watching this for the first time. Just come on and be like, blow stuff up, but safely. <laughs> it's 4th of July tomorrow. Please. They have been shoot. I swear to God, they have been shooting off fireworks in my neighborhood since thursday thursday it was still june and they're blowing stuff up on a thursday night in my neck of the woods they take this crap very seriously they love their fire especially my neighbors thankfully they they will hold theirs off until like tonight and tomorrow but you know just hopefully the kids will will sleep through but you know how that is trying to keep kids down anyway but New York is is the worst. It's like the whole month of June is like practice season before the Fourth of July. So <laughs> only know what what we're prepared for here uh, <laughs> tomorrow. That should be interesting. Yes, I appreciate everybody who's in the chat. What's going on, Safet and Queen? Thank you guys so much for uh, for joining us here outside of our regular time. So again, a programming note since we're on at three today. Uh, Matt and Jeremy are going to be taking tonight off uh, as far as lost in the mid card is concerned since we. Going to be talking about the same stuff anyway. So gave them the holiday off. They'll be back next week at uh, 7 o'clock, leading you up into Monday Night Raw. We got a lot to talk about today. For the first time in three and a half years, Roman Reigns' shoulders pinned to the mat at Money in the Bank. This is something that SP3 and I talked about ad nauseum leading up to it. Did we think they were actually going to do it? I did not. I didn't think they were going to go through with it. And then they did, and then apparently even WWE had some some trepidation. That was the report that was out today. Some trepidation about doing it, but I think they made the absolute right call. Damian Priest and EO Sky winning the Money in the Bank contracts. Did WWE get it right? We'll talk about that. John Cena made a surprise return, only, I guess, to troll the city of London, I, I, I guess. If you believe what Dave Meltzer had to say afterwards, none of that made sense. But, hey, at least Grayson Waller got a pretty good rub out of it. Drew McIntyre is back. How about them apples? No Brock Lesnar and Shayna Baszler taking out Ronda Rousey and firing this up right here, right now. New women's tag team champion. So much to talk about today, but first things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for all of your betting needs. We would not be here without them. So thank you very much. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf. They have all of the uh, the wrestling odds, even though there were some heavy upsets uh, this past weekend. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games. Available right 
from your phone, or you can head to the website using your, your laptop or desktop, whatever. Uh, use your mobile device as well. Sign up today. Get in on the action. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, and SP3, we will start with the Bloodline Civil War that turned out to be the actual main event of Money in the Bank, which it should have been. I know there was some confusion with Michael Cole saying that Cody Rhodes and and Dom were going to be the main event, which is like, oh, okay, well, that means Brock Lesnar showing up. And then they put it on in the middle of the show, and Brock Lesnar did not show up. So I don't know what the whole main event thing was about, but regardless, whatever. They made the right call putting this match on last. And, man... I'm not going to sit here and say that it was better than than Osprey and Omega because it wasn't, and, and I don't think it, and I don't think it was particularly close either. But the storytelling in this match was about as top notch as it gets from a storyline inside the ring perspective. This was, like Triple H said in the in the press conference afterwards, right? This was cinema at its finest, as the kids say today. Cinema, I prefer to call it theater. Call it whatever you want. It was absolutely brilliant, and I thought it was played to perfection, especially the close of the match where there were a lot of nice little callbacks. You could see Roman Reigns for the first time in three years finally break in a match thought he had them dead to rights and and frankly he should have considering that they did the spear Samoan spike combo on Jay Uso which I thought was a very nicely timed and well done combo move they take their time they know they got this bad boy wrapped up Roman Reigns does what he does best he stacks them up because he wants to pin both Usos and then they both kick out SP3 and the look on both Roman Reigns face and Paul Heyman's face was just spectacular. You could literally hear Roman uh, or, or Paul Heyman going, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Paul Heyman. And the best part was this is Roman Reigns is losing his mind. You could see it like his lip is quivering. His eyes are bugging out of his head. He's like looking like, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox and the Frighteners just shaking everywhere. And all of a sudden they pan over to Solo Sokoa and he's like, just chill. Just, you know, he's a little shocked that the, the kick out happened, but it's like he looks over at Roman, gives him this look like, bro, what are you doing? And then it was him that had the wherewithal to get back on the attack. And then he turns over at Roman and says, get your ass up. Let's go. What are you doing? Like he was the one who took charge and gave orders to the tribal chief. I absolutely love that. Roman gets back in the game. He ends up hitting a spear on Jay. You think he's going to have it done. And then there's that other brilliant callback where Jay kicks out and he does the right arm low blow to Roman that we've seen him do so many times. And then it is a super kick party. Wrong tag team, I know, but it's a super kick party from that point on. Solo ends up going through the table. He eats one more double super kick. Roman is down. He's out. Jimmy tags in Jay. He hits the splash, and of course, it's Jay Uso who pins Roman Reigns. One, two, three. And my God, the reaction from inside the O2 when that happened. There were some lulls in this match because I think the crowd was, they were hot and heavy from the beginning. I think they were a little spent, but also I think there was a sense of just like, okay, is this actually going to happen? I think they were like it caught up and in awe in the moment, especially after that 
that kick out from the double pin, like they were just on pins and needles waiting to see what the finish was. And the second that Roman's shoulders were actually pinned to the mat, the, the roof blew off the joint. Like this was the perfect ending. You could not book that ending better, in my opinion, SP3. What do you think? I thought it was a fantastic main event. Uh, WWE has been putting together some great matches throughout 2023, but this is one of those ones that felt special because of the whole storyline going in. They really built up the moment and, in you know, for, for the smart fans, they gave it away that this was going to happen when they emphasized that it's been since December 15, yeah. 2019, that the Roman Reigns was last pinned. So they really needed to start saying that a while ago, maybe after he hit a day 1000, they could have done it more in the lead up instead of hammering it home on the show itself. It kind of gave away the result, but this is the result that I said was going to happen weeks back as soon as Jay Uso turned and this was this seemed like that was going to be the matchup for money in the bank i knew the right result was jay uso pinning roman reigns and it puts wwe in another interesting situation here we are in 2023 and three times three times already we are asking the question is this the guy who should be Roman Reigns yeah. is was it Sami Zayn? No, it wasn't Sami Zayn in Montreal. Everything set up for him to get the job done. It wasn't Cody Rhodes finishing his story, winning the Royal Rumble, coming in as this red hot baby face who was selling all this merchandise, drawing good ratings. No, it wasn't him. So is it really all after all this? Is it really Jay Uso? And you could really say that Roman losing the championships, it elevated somebody else. I mean, God bless him. And we got to have all our prayers for Jay Uso after he if he did win the undisputed WWE Universal <laughs> Championship, because I think of people like Kobe Kingston and Big E that also they allowed to win their top prize. And then how that all turned out or how, how that all ended is what I remember most. Uh, but I mean, more people is going to remember the times they won it, of course, but sure. it, it leaves that aftertaste, that aftertaste that is not always good as a professional wrestling fan. So there's a lot of questions now, but I do like the fact that they did it this way. I thought this match, like I said, was fantastic. Everybody played their role perfectly. And the ending was what it needed to be. All the callbacks leading up to the Usos working together and Jey Uso finally being able to defeat Roman Reigns after three years of being with him throughout this bloodline saga. He's finally the one who's able to do it. And we don't have to say Baron Corbin is the last person to beat <laughs> Roman Reigns anymore. Yeah, I mean, heck, man. I mean, just if you think back to the last time that Baron Corbin was the guy who pinned him, like, do you remember who was in the ring with him when he pinned Roman Reigns? Because it wasn't clean. It, it was it was a dog, you know, it was a no holds barred match or it was some something, something to do with dog food. I can't really remember. It was that whole dog food business. Right. But it was December 2019. He was in the ring. With, if memory serves correct, FTR and Dolph Ziggler. Like, FTR was still in WWE. And they didn't look anything like they look nowadays. And they were, like, heavily bandaged up. Like, they had been beaten up by Roman, like, two weeks prior or something. I can't remember what exactly was going on at the time. But 
they were standing in there. You had Dolph Ziggler. His hair was like half as long, and AEW wasn't even a thing yet. Like that's how long ago. No, <laughs> AEW was 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 Dynamite had already yeah, yeah Dynamite had already started by this time. That's right. But yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Okay, sorry, I was thinking about yeah, like 2018, but, but still, yeah, man, it was in its infancy the last time. This a lot has happened between then and now. And like, and then we get reports out today from uh, like WrestleVotes. Now, WrestleVotes is a, a Twitter account for those who who doesn't know. It's a it's an insider Twitter account. Doesn't really like like its own website or anything like that. But it does tweet out reports, and it's been proven to be fairly accurate uh, before. Saying, uh, "quote Today, there was a feeling of trepidation from a a singular high ranking creative member in crafting the finish for this past Saturday's Bloodline match. A strong argument that Reigns should not have been pinned prior to losing the title." Uh, was present throughout this process. I'm glad they didn't listen to that singular one person because this was 100% perfect, right? Because this was something new. It was something fresh. It's something that we had not seen as as far as like Roman Reigns' reign of terror. Like we had seen, it felt like they were following the formula to a T and they were. Ref bump gets knocked to the outside, except poor dude bro like that was actually a ref ref bump i think he got his arm caught and i think he ended up straddling the rope so that one yeah okay you're gonna be down for a few minutes i get it good on you haas way to take one for the team on that one but you know solo sokoa hits the spike is the spear we're thinking it's formulaic at that point and then finally you know the, both usos kick out because it meant so much to them they were able to dig down deep and kick out and find a way to pull out the victory. And that that's why I like the fact that they pinned Roman here in this match, because this match was more than just about a championship. Roman's championship reign didn't matter at this point. This was about family. This was about respect. This was about, you know, Roman treating his cousins like second-class citizens and just basically as tools for him to use whenever he wanted. And that that was the story that became bigger than his WWE universal championship. So that should not have even been a thought in the creative department's mind, but now it can be about the title because Jay Uso on, on Friday, when the Usos hold as was announced by them on Twitter earlier today, when they hold the trial of the tribal chief this coming Friday on SmackDown has a claim to challenge Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. And that's exactly what should happen. And then it becomes about the title. And also SP3, I feel like this gives fans something that they haven't had in a while. Fans who, you know, go into every Roman Reigns title defense now, believing 1 million percent that he's going to win it, except maybe for WrestleMania, right? There's hope on the horizon now that Roman Reigns could lose the title at any point because he has now been pinned. Michael Cole said it perfectly in commentary. He's beatable. He's vulnerable. He's human. He's beatable. And now there's actually, it puts doubt into the air as to whether or not Roman Reigns makes it to WrestleMania 40 as the WWE champion. Yeah. And I think that was the key to all of this, that they had to do that to kind of create that illusion that Roman can lose at any point. And like I said, this is the third opportunity that they have somebody that the fans will get behind, will be behind the moment of Jey Uso being the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. But I don't think they're going to do it because WWE is in also in the era of getting two things done at once. <laughs> and this was a key to it is that they got two 
two big moments out of Roman Reigns losing. First, he loses his, the first match he's lost in three and a half years. And then the next moment will be when he loses the titles. I don't think it's going to have those moments so close together like SummerSlam. So I think Roman Reigns will win out there. But they want to also accomplish that. Uh, take care of two things. Roman Reigns had to get to a thousand days, so that's why he had to beat Cody Rhodes. But Cody Rhodes was the right guy going into WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Nothing has really changed as far as him uh, up until then. He's still in one of the top programs in the company with Brock Lesnar. So I think they are trying to gonna try to make it all the way to WrestleMania 40 and have Cody finally win there. Yeah, and Cody uh, was asked about it, right, this weekend. Uh, I believe it was at the press conference, right, where he was asked yeah. about finishing the story. And he, you know, did it. total pro answer, putting over the World Heavyweight Championship, putting over Seth Rollins, right, and everything that he's doing with it and says it would be an honor to win that. But still for Cody to finish his story, it is always going to be about the WWE Universal Championship. So that is... Now, granted, that's a press conference. That wasn't a scripted question. I know some people think that, you know, when we're at those things, we're directed in a, in a direction to go with our questions. We are not. We're allowed to ask whatever we want, kayfabe or otherwise. Um, although sometimes if you ask a kayfabe question, it kind of kills the whole thing. So please don't do that. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, right. So he he put it out there. He said, look, finishing the story for me is winning the WWE Universal Championship. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's beaten Roman Reigns to do it, but that's still finishing the story. But I still think right now, I think Jey Uso gets the match at SummerSlam, and I think that's, I, I think him main eventing SummerSlam with Roman Reigns is is his reward for all of the yeah. hard work that he's done. And it's like, hey, you are main event Jey Uso. You're not going to win the WWE Universal Championship, but you are main event Jey Uso, and we thank you for all your service for the Bloodline story. My question is, okay, SummerSlam out of the way. We still got six months plus until WrestleMania. Yeah. So it's like, who next, right? Are we are we just waiting around for AJ Styles? I mean, are, are they ever going to... There's other people I could ask about, but you know, we'll get into other conversations here soon. But I mean, right now, it's it looks like it's the bloodline and then... Money in the bank, maybe? I don't know. Like, I don't you know could where. Do, you could do either payback or fast lane. You could do the triple threat with the Usos versus yeah. versus Roman and Solo. And then by then, maybe Roman's already got a new gang around him. War games. You do, you do yeah. that again. You do a real on, full on bloodline civil war games. Oh. <laughs> uh. Just that add games cool. to the end of this title. <laughs> and then that's the, that's the part two at War Games. It all ends inside the cage. The Bloodline Civil War finally ends. Yeah. Uh, feel free to get uh, your comments in uh, throughout the, the entirety of the show. We'll try to get to as many of them uh, as possible. Uh, Frantic World saying what's up and uh, Hassan uh, saying hello as well. Appreciate it. Uh, Safet saying it was not a clean finish. Low blow was used, but hey, whatever, man. It's poetic. It's poetic justice, right? He still lost. It didn't matter. Like he's wrestled so many matches that weren't clean, like hardcore matches. It does not matter, right? Hell, there was one match he used where literally Brock Lesnar used a forklift to pick up the damn ring. He still won. It didn't matter. It was it was monumental. His shoulders getting pinned to the mat after three and a half years like that. Jay Uso was the right guy. If you weren't going to give it to Cody, Jay Uso was the right guy. And that definitely meant a lot. And I'm glad, very, very glad that WWE went 
uh, went ahead with that. Obviously, uh, SP3, a lot was going to be made about who was going to walk out as the briefcase holders uh, on uh, Saturday. The betting favorites heading in were LA Knight and EO Sky. Those were the betting favorites. And I, if, if memory serves correct, I believe that LA Knight was actually more likely to win it than EO. I may have that backwards, but if, that, if I remember correctly, he had better odds of winning than EO Sky did. Uh, with Logan Paul coming in second. Neither one of them ended up winning. It was Damian Priest who won the match, even though that crowd was heavily in favor, heavily in favor of LA Knight winning it, and that roof would have blown off the joint had he grabbed that briefcase. But he takes a, a sick broken arrow off the top of the ladder, and this whole match was just a car crash. Just an absolute car crash. Some of the spots were spectacular. Some of them didn't quite work, but were still effective. Uh, Ricochet and Logan Paul tried to top what they did at the Royal Rumble with that Spanish fly off the ropes. They were tangled up with it, and there's part of me that appreciates Ricochet for going, fuck it, let's just go. Uh, and then there's other parts of me that are going, eh, maybe you should wait to see where Logan's feet were in the ropes. But, you know, in those kind of matches, if you're thinking, you're stinking, and he just went with his instincts, and luckily Logan Paul was all right. And the spot still looked okay, to be honest, compared to how it, it – I mean, they were tangled up in those ropes. Probably should have called an audible and tried something else, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But it's still, it was a spot that people are going to remember. They made it work. Um, man. Regardless, Damian Priest ends up getting the win, and then later on, the women's match, kind of the same situation, right? This was a, a fun little car crash. Some of the spots worked great. Uh, a highlight was uh, Zelina Vega hitting the the code red on Zoe Stark off the top of the ladder for sure. And then a, a, a I love the finish so much. Man, did I love the finish with EO handcuffing Becky to Bailey and then climbing over Bailey, her damage control mother hen to climb up and grab the briefcase. So the favorite for the women does win. Damian Priest, who has had the third best odds, takes the briefcase. Later cost Seth Rollins or uh, later cost Finn Balor his match against uh, Seth Rollins. We'll talk about that. But did WWE get it right, SP3, and putting the briefcase in the hand of Damian Priest and EO Sky? Well, I'm a little bit biased because WWE listened to me. Um, <laughs> I, this is my picks to win the Money in the Bank contract because it was interesting things that I could see WWE doing with both of these people with the contracts. Everybody's other favorite, LA Knight, and I got swept into the LA Knight fever, especially after hearing his reaction on SmackDown and knowing that that crowd in at Money in the Bank were going to be yeah. living and dying, dying on every single move that he made in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I, I had I had a feeling to go with Damian Priest, uh, to go away from Damian Priest, go with LA Knight, but Damian Priest was the right choice because it opens up a world of possibilities for what he can do, whether going after the World Heavyweight Championship and being more involved in this whole Judgment Day storyline with him and Finn kind of jockeying for position. And now Finn's going to be upset at him for costing him the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh -huh. And how jealous is Finn going to be if Damian wins the title from Seth after he's yeah. wanted to win it so bad? So, yeah, I think that Damian Priest, he has so much that he can do with this money in the bank contract. I asked the question on our preview show last Tuesday, LA Knight wins the money in the bank briefcase. And then what? 
Like that's that was my big question, and I don't think WWE knew the end then what. So unfortunately for the fans that were rooting for him, he couldn't win this. A Logan Paul, I think I thought would have been interesting, and I know there was like a late push behind the scenes for him because that is another interesting, you know, briefcase older that every single time he comes back, you could say, oh, he might be cashing in. Oh, he got might be cashing in, and you can yeah. pop a rating in that way. And of course, the visibility of being on a social media star like Logan Paul, it just made a world of sense as well. But Damian Priest for the long term, I think was the right choice, and he's a guy that they they have to get behind now. Now or never. So it was the right choice for her. And then Eosky, come on. Eosky had the breakout performance against Bianca Belair at Backlash. And then from there, I was like, she's my choice for Money in the Bank. So I am glad that they stuck to that. They built on that momentum. They have this whole story with Bailey with damage control, which they have multiple different stories with with fact. I feel like AEW in 2020, where we have multiple storylines with factions, dissension within, with now EO and Bailey, Finn and Damien, the bloodline saga. So yeah, I, it's, it's a lot at once, but this one is very interesting now that they're kind of saying that. Oh, we both won money in the bank because that's what Bailey said before the show. That yep. if, oh, EO wins, I win. If I win, EO wins. That's that's how it works. So she was like, Yeah, you helped me to the top. I climbed up <laughs> on top of you and got the win. I think it's great and it adds something new as well to that woman's title scene over on SmackDown, which is actually a lot better than the, the woman's title, the woman's scene on Raw, despite Raw having two non-title feuds technically now after the show. Yeah, so I can't argue with anything you said, and I, I agreed with you. I thought as far as the best options from a storyline perspective, from a storyline perspective, Damian Priest and Eosky were the, the obvious choices. Uh, when I read the reports about a late push for Logan Paul, that made me cringe for a lot of the same reasons that I laid out on our on our preview show, you know, with Kate Hensler on Tuesday. Like, I don't, I didn't want another part-time guy, a guy who has actively talked about saying, I have no problem coming in and capitalizing on the hard work that everybody here has done week in and week out and me, you know, wrestling four matches a year. I didn't want another guy like that with the money in the bank briefcase. I just did not. Um, even though, yes, I understand the marketability standpoint. He was a slam dunk choice uh, to, to take the money in the bank briefcase for sure. But I got swept up in LA night mania, man. I really did. And when day, when he got up to the top of the ladder, it looked like I don't even remember, honestly, L.A. doing a whole lot offensively in this match. Like I like everybody got a chance to shine. L.A. Knight was just kind of there, man. Like he just he took a lot of damage, but he didn't really inflict any of his own in this match that I can recall. And I went back and I, I watched it again today and I still don't remember a whole lot of offense from him. But he outside of the once it was him at the end and he you know hit a couple of his finishers and he threw some people out of the ring and the crowd was going nuts that was like the first punches he <laughs> he landed in the entire damn match but screw it big e didn't do a whole lot in his match either that he actually won he took a lot of damage and i thought they were doing the same formula again where you know la knight was going to win this thing uh despite being down and out for most of it and then damian priest comes out of nowhere they did a great job with the camera work uh yeah. on these uh, uh 
this past weekend. We don't always praise WWE's camera production, but I think it's great to call it out because it looked like LA Knight had it had it in the bag. And then you hear Michael Cole say, wait a minute. And then the hand just reaches up like a zombie coming out of the ground. Of course, it's Damian Priest, so that freaking works. Damian Priest was my second choice to win this, although I, I was a little sad that they didn't give, give it to LA Knight. And I would understand if they did give it to LA Knight because he's white hot. He's one of the top four over guys in the company right now. He might be number two, honestly, at this point with the reactions that he's been getting. But like you said, what? where do you go next from here? Because if you give LA Knight the briefcase, he's not cashing in for a very long time. So with LA Knight, it would have been the same question had he won that I have for LA Knight right now, which is, what's next for LA Knight, which I hope is a feud with Logan Paul, because I think that that for SummerSlam would be a nice little program that they could do. Um, those two worked well with each other in the, in the exchange on the Grayson Waller effect on Friday. I think they could continue to throw jabs at one another. Um, might make a little more sense to put Logan Paul with Ricochet, but I think from a uh, promo standpoint, Logan Paul and LA Knight, might be a nice spot for him. Still think he could be a mid-card champion, United States champion by the end of the year. Have him beat Austin Theory if you want. Have Santos Escobar beat Austin Theory if you want. But they know they got something in LA night, and they can't just sit on They just can't sit on I think they just have to figure out that he, this this crowd reaction is going to keep going this way. So embrace it. Make him a baby yes. face. Direct yes. some of his, his his great talking ability against these heels. And I think that Austin Theory needs someone who's over with the fans like LA Knight right now more than ever because his his U.S. titles reign has gone gotten really stale. It's kind of it we're already back to Sheamus. Like he just finished a feud with Sheamus, had a match with Sheamus, had a had a trios match. And now he's back to feuding with Sheamus. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, but, but I I don't know what's next for Austin Theory, but I know that LA Knight needs to be a babyface, and he would be a good choice to verse LA Knight as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Queen saying LA Knight being the one to dethrone Theory would be fun. I agree. I think he would be great as the United States champion. I think that that belt would look great uh, over his shoulder. Um, you got to do something. And yeah, just go with the flow, man. I mean, last weekend, he, or two weekends ago, whenever he beat Rey Mysterio, right? A afterwards, he's still like tugging on the mask to get cheap heat. And it's like, why? Why are you even bothered? They just booed Rey Mysterio. Why are you even bothering to do that? They're literally cheering for LA Knight over anybody. Anytime, even Butch, even when they were both on top of the ladder, hometown hero Butch, it was boo, yeah, boo, yeah. Everybody wanted LA Knight to win, even over the hometown boy, the only Brit on the entire card. <laughs> they were cheering for LA Knight. So he needed to, if, if they better have something for him, they got something. They got money in him. He just getting his first merch put out. And I think they know that you, when you get the merch put out, when you're the one that is all over the, the media heading in and he was everywhere, like as far as like the, the not the, I'm not going to call minor outlets, right? But like all of the ones that we read every day, he is everywhere. He's talking to Chris Van Vliet. He's talking to a few other people, right? Becky and Seth were on the Today Show and all the, the national media stuff. But LA Knight was the one who was really pushed heavily ahead of this across the UK everywhere so that that's a sign to me that they know they have something with him and they're gonna do something yeah. with him uh moving forward but yeah the united states championship scene like they got options man 
they got so many options, but it just seems like he, and as well as Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, like we've talked about before, they just seem kind of stuck in neutral since they were drafted really high over on SmackDown. I think they were two and four respectively uh, over to SmackDown when they were taken overall. So it's like, what are you doing with them? They're just kind of Austin theory has been used more to help put over pretty deadly than anything than anything. Right yeah. Now. Uh, Antoine Phillips says, uh, I would have been happy at Becky, uh, it with Becky winning and holding the uh, briefcase over Rhea's head, uh, would have been priceless. I talked myself into this one as well. I wrote an entire article about this, uh, for cage side seats, just thinking of a, a really good scenario with Becky being the briefcase holder and still getting the best of both worlds in elevating a, a, a younger talent. In which case, Becky plays the mind games with Rhea, builds it up with Rhea. She eventually cashes in on Rhea after she has a long, drawn-out match. Maybe she's down, she's out, she's a little hurt. Everybody, Becky gets the big money-in-the-bank pop that she's always wanted, right? The fans are going nuts. The bell rings. They think it's going to be one of the quick finishes that we typically get. And then they go on to have a 10- to 15-minute match in which Rhea Ripley overcomes and beats Becky just making her up and building her up as a bigger, stronger, better, faster, monsterly over talent as the women's heavyweight champion. I thought that would have been a fun thing if they could have done something we don't typically see with the money in the bank cash in, but I am still happy that EO Sky is the winner. All I can hope here, SP3, is that history is not going to repeat itself like it's like it happened the last two years. WWE went with the hand of, okay, we're going to elevate somebody else. We're going to give somebody new the world title and see how they do. Nikki A.S.H. lasted all of 32 days. Her entire story was, does she really deserve to be champion? And then she loses to Charlotte after, you know, a month right back at SummerSlam. It's back in Charlotte's hands. And we see where Nikki A.S.H. is today. Not reflective of her talent whatsoever. She's hardly used. Uh, hopefully she gets, you know, utilized more creatively. Liv Morgan. Same thing, but accidentally, like her story wasn't, oh, does she deserve it? Her story was she's earned this damn thing. Now let's throw her to the wolves. And then her first match, she taps out. She gets her ass kicked, but flukily beats Ronda Rousey. A win over Shayna Baszler with her at Clash of the Castle did nothing to help her out because immediately she lost all credibility in the eyes of the audience. The second that she tapped out to Ronda Rousey. And then she lost the belt right back to her uh, at, uh, what was it, Extreme Rules? Extreme so, Rules, yeah. Yeah, so it's great that EO won. Don't, don't repeat history. Don't repeat hey, history. Hey, we are already going against history because EO Sky is now the second longest reigning Money in the Bank holder in By the default. contract history. By, By default. default. By default, she's already second because WWE have premium live events on Saturdays instead of Sundays. So she's held it longer than six out of seven holders in uh, that are women that have held this contract. Congratulations, EOS yes. Sky. Who knows? WWE might have Sky go for the Raw Women's title tonight, says Frantic World in the chat. Ah, please. There, there's God. no Raw Women's title anymore. There's Well, the, excuse me, the, 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 the Women's World, World Championship. Uh, Rhea Ripley is defending the title tonight against Natalia again. Oh, dear God. Please, WWE, don't do this. Don't do this. You don't need to do this right now. Come on. I mean, it is it is true that Rhea Ripley has no feud and hasn't had a feud since she beat Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. 
They yeah. seem to be teasing her and Raquel two weeks ago. They seem to tease her and Becky last week, but Becky has her old issue with Trish and Zoe to resolve. Oh, you yeah. got Raquel now with with Liv as the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. So it's not a lot of options out there mm. on the active roster for Rhea Ripley to face. I'm hoping that this whole deal with Natalia, how we're running back Natalia again, is somehow going to get us to Rhea Ripley versus Beth Phoenix at SummerSlam. That better Since- be it because they don't have another option. They don't. And we'll talk about the women's tag team titles coming up here soon, but you're right. Like Raquel and Liv, they kind of need to be Rhea's opponents sooner rather than later. Um, They'll get to Rhea and Becky, but yeah, like Becky got her revenge on Trish and and Zoe, right? In Money in the Bank. Like Becky was the reason why Trish did not win. She took Trish out with a manhandle slam on top of the ladder. By the way, some of those ladders... They may fall apart while you're trying to climb them, but there was absolutely no give when you're trying to go through them. And that made some of those spots really tough in both of those matches. Oh, some people are hurting on the flights back home for sure. No question about it. But um, as far as I'm concerned, like coming out of money in the bank, Becky could be done with Trish and Zoe because Zelina took out Zoe. She took out Trish. They weren't the reason she lost. Unless you count the fact that they were the ones that brought the handcuffs into play. Then technically, yes. But this is more about Trish is going to be coming back around for Becky. And they're going to continue that. And they're probably going to go at SummerSlam. But the biggest question for me is, where does that leave Rhea? What does Rhea do at SummerSlam? If it ain't Beth Phoenix, I don't know what it is. Beth Phoenix is the best thing that anybody has said to me yet. I I don't know how you talked yourself into that. But Becky's issue with, with Trish is not resolved because Trish beat her. Trish beat her. Trish said that if she's not going to win, Becky's not going to win, and Becky didn't win. It doesn't matter who it was involved. They're the one that brought the handcuffs into play. There's a lot that Becky has left with Trish Stratus. She didn't didn't say, oh, I'm just being in Money in the Bank to – to go out to make sure Trish doesn't win. Trish was in it after Becky was already in the match. Becky's goal was to get the briefcase to hold it over Rhea. They stopped him, whether by hook or crook or whether it was by them directly, they stopped that from happening. So yeah. there is still issues there. They still have to resolve that. And it does give Raw another like non-title women's feud with that. And then now you got the whole Ronda and Shayna business. So there's that those two are interesting. But if you're going to have a quick fist for Rhea Ripley not having anybody that goes in line with your storylines that you've already told, Beth Phoenix beat her. Uh, the last time that Rhea was on a losing end was in that tag team match at a, at Elimination Chamber when Edge and Beth beat Rhea and Finn. I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I'm like, could we really have, like, five women's matches at SummerSlam this year? Because when you think about it, they're going to do Ronda and Shayna, and we'll talk about that coming up here when we get to the five count. They're going to do Ronda Shayna. They're going to do probably a triple threat match between Charlotte, Bianca, and Asuka for the... Uh, uh, WWE women's title. We're just getting four. They'll probably do uh, Trish and and Becky. And then do they do a women's tag team title match? No, no, they won't. I tried to stop you in between between because I knew where you were going with that fifth one. I was like, no, there'll be four. I was like, (laughs) we could could just go for four. I mean, that's still still monumental, right? Four on on a one-night pay-per-view, four women's matches. That still would be great. That would still be great. Spectacular. Um, 
Yeah, and the only way that's going to happen is if you put Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch in a program that doesn't involve a championship. This is the only way that's ever going to freaking happen. And Ronda Rousey in a program that doesn't involve a championship. So that's 100% happening. So, hey, good, great, love it. John Cena showed up, SP3, which was a nice surprise. I thought it was a nice little surprise. He came out there. He popped the crowd. They they absolutely blew the roof off the joint on Saturday. And he starts, you know, hyping him up and says he loves this crowd and he loves the UK crowd. He loves London and earned his respect for over the course of 20 years. And then, boy, oh, boy, they sure as hell made it sound like he was about to announce that WrestleMania was coming to London, you know, would have been 2025 because next year they're going to be in Philly already. Never got to the point of actually like announcing that London was going to get WrestleMania. And then we get Grayson Waller who comes out really happy about that because he's jumping around, hopping around. We found out recently he actually broke his leg uh, in his match with Carmelo Hayes on NXT. So um, that's why he hasn't wrestled yet and has been doing Grayson Waller effects. So uh, it was good to see him bouncing around and he ended up taking an AA. So it's nice to see him get physical and that's a nice rub for him. But he's sitting here saying, oh, we should put WrestleMania in Australia and they're bouncing. It was a nice little time filler segment that helped, you know, present Grayson Waller as a big deal and the crowd got to pop for John Cena. But ultimately, SP3, this was a giant tease, if you believe the Wrestling Observer, because London ain't close to Landon. WrestleMania at this point because it all comes down to what city will spend the biggest dot tourism dollars to to bring WWE to town and London doesn't need to spend to bring tourists in. No, London is a hot spot for tourism already. That's like that's like asking New York every year to to be <laughs> to to be the 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 host city of WrestleMania. There's yeah. a reason why we send there to New Jersey because we don't need it. <laughs> we'll get the backwash. People don't want to be in New Jersey. They'll spend the whole weekend in New York before they go to the show in New Jersey. Um, but yeah, so so I don't I don't understand I don't understand why this. I mean, I understand why it was done. I don't understand. <laughs> Why John Cena needed to waste the surprise return on this? Right. For them to pressure, uh, oh, it had to be a movie star. Uh, for them to pressure London to pay for WrestleMania. But I do like it for Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller is so talented. One of my favorites from the the latest generation of NXT because he just feels like a main roster character. He has the you know the talk show. He mm-hmm. can talk. He can he can he can really work as well when he gets into the ring and his his move set is very innovative. So if this leads to Grayson Waller versus John Cena, I'm all for it. I think this segment alone did more for Grayson Waller than Austin Theory having a match and beating John Cena did for him at WrestleMania 39. Yeah, well, look, John Cena didn't eviscerate Grayson Waller down to you know his underwear, right? Like he didn't just uh, just tear this man apart. Like they actually had a a decent back and forth promo exchange and John Cena being like, so wait, you want me to go to Australia to get a rub from Grayson Waller? Is that what you're talking about? And uh, there was some really good lines that were dropped before him. It was a good spot for Grayson Waller. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know if it's going to lead to a match, but I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing either because John Cena himself has said, what you got out of me at WrestleMania 39 is what I got left in me. So if we're just going to get basic AF John Cena, basic thugonomics, John Cena against Grayson Waller. I don't know what that does for Grayson Waller. It may, it may do with what it did for Austin Theory as long as, hey, maybe as long as, he, as, long as, as he, 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 he that promo. <laughs> 
yeah, as long as he don't destroy him on the mic, he'll be perfectly fine. But 100%, not only was it an attempt for them to get London to pay money for WrestleMania to come there, it was an attempt for them to outdo AEW. Because if they're going to London, they're going to Wembley Stadium, yep. and they're going to break uh, AEW's record by hook or crook, they going to do it. they going to do it. It don't matter if they sell the same amount of tickets. They're going to jam-pack the backstage area, and they're going to hit that 90,000 mark regardless. Yep. 2026 is probably the earliest that it would happen. Nothing is imminent. Yeah. Uh, I do believe it was uh, Fightful who reported that uh, uh, the host city uh, negotiations for 2025, WrestleMania 41, is in its final stages. So that's getting ready to... I beam Minnesota. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be like eight feet of snow in April in Minnesota. That'd be you great. know, Minnesota paid a lot of money for that. They was like, "Come on down, man." We Are you kidding? Hey, we got the Twin Cities, baby. We got we got tax money from both Minneapolis and and St. Paul. Come on down, let's go. We got it rocking and rolling. Here you go, big old fat check signed to Paul Levesque. There you go, uh, guys. Appreciate uh, all the support. Uh, do us a favor, give us a thumbs up here on the video if you like the show. If you're new to the program and uh, you know you like what you've uh, heard so far, we got more to come. But uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are so close to 600 subscribers, so close. And this is like all- two subscribers away. So I mean, we a are. Friend. Tell yes. a friend to just hit the subscribe button. Please. Yes, we're getting there so, so close. Uh, of course, the uh, the first big goal is a uh, thousand because that's when we hit monetization. But still, it's been a great ride with uh, everybody who has joined us so far. So uh, thank you. By the way, this isn't all uh, you're going to get from us this week, by the way. Um, we will be taking tomorrow off for the 4th of July, but on Wednesday, early in the morning, I got a conversation with Wheeler Yuta uh, that will be dropping here on the channel ahead of his big match against Kenny Omega Wednesday night on Dynamite. And then on Friday, I'm going to have a conversation with Jimmy Wang Yang that is going to be dropping here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. So uh, make sure to stay tuned for all of that. Thank you guys so much. Let's hop into this now, shall we, SP3? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, as we do every week, it is the five count, the five biggest questions that I have posed today. Love to get uh, SP3's thoughts on the major happenings of the world of professional wrestling. We talked about Damian Priest and EO Sky SP3 winning the Money in the Bank briefcase, whether or not they were the right people to do it. Now here comes the big question. Do you see either of them being unsuccessful in their money in the bank cash in attempts to date so far? The women are 100%. The men, I think are like 73% successful and the unsuccessful. I think it's like ones, 79.9. Something so they like make it that. 80. Yeah. Something like that. About 80%. But uh, the unsuccessful ones are rarely, rarely feel like they weren't wasted. Right. So yeah, what are we thinking? Do we do we see world championship reigns in both Damian Priest and Eos Guy's future here? Yes. Damian Priest is lucking out in the fact that they made a new world championship. <laughs> this was just a WWE that had just the undisputed universal championship, then I would be like, uh, oh, tough, 
tough luck, Damian. It's not happening. But now that we have the World Heavyweight Championship, I think Damian Priest would be an excellent choice to be that second, uh, you know, reign after Seth Rollins. Him dethroning him makes a lot of sense. Or even if there's like a transitional champion that beats Seth, so you get yeah. both things where Damian gets crowd and he can uh, put over somebody else for Seth Rollins. So that's also good. EO Sky, she they she can't be the first to be unsuccessful. I think that's a one way ticket for her leading like many of the other women that have been here and left because that is just booking malpractice when you yep. have one of the best wrestlers in the world regardless of gender eo sky she has to get this successful you know money in the bank cash in you can of course play with it and avoid her actually catching in for a while whether it's from bailey and miscommunication in that way but when they finally want to have the cash in eo has to become the wwe women's champion or the wwe women's world heavyweight championship there I don't know how they would get there. And this is a thought that just popped into my head. I would love it if EO won the title by cashing in on Bailey. I don't know how they get there. I don't know how Bailey earns another title shot. I don't know if she actually, but like Bailey, like she's gotten title shots, right? That's, she just hasn't won any of the big matches, whether it's against Bianca Belair or whoever. She just hasn't won any of them in a while, at least since the crowds have come back. So for her to finally like get over and then win the big one and then EO turns around and bashes in her skull with the briefcase as they're celebrating and, you know, does the baby face turn and pins Bailey. I think that would be some poetic justice and that would be a great way to finally split up damage control. Uh, I don't, I don't think you- that's that's like an effective way to have EO as the baby face. I, she sounds like the heel in that situation because Bailey waited so long and had all, yeah. all these near wins for her to finally win. And then EO's the one to yeah, cash in on her. Right. That kind of makes her the, the, the heel in that situation. Yeah. That would be more like Bailey cashing in on EO. That would, that would yeah. make more sense in that situation. But either way, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it if they could figure out a way to make it work. But uh, no, I think both of them will be successful. And your comment on Damian Priest not winning money in the bank if there wasn't a second world championship. Let's be honest. I would say four out of the, maybe maybe five out of the seven guys in this match wouldn't even have been in the match if there were only, uh, <laughs> if there was only the WWE Universal Championship. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to benefit from the World Heavyweight Championship and, and Damian Priest is for sure going to be uh, the first one. I got to give, I got to give kudos uh, to WWE uh, because so often nowadays, everything is so telegraphed. Everything is always kind of leaked out. Um, in fact, I think there were some smoke screens that were kind of thrown up because we actually did get reports that there were expectations that Brock Lesnar would be making his return in London just 24, 48 hours outside of the show to set up him versus Cody at SummerSlam. That did not end up happening. But literally... We got reports like the morning of Money in the Bank. Oh, no, don't expect Drew McIntyre. It's been all quiet on the Western front. We don't know what's going on with him. Uh, He's not going to be there. You know, we haven't heard an update on Drew in so long. Like literally just trying to quell everything down on Drew McIntyre. And then that big beefy son of a bitch. You After Gunther beats Matt Riddle and what was a, a... we knew it was going to be a good match, but I love the finish where he's pounding on Riddle's ankle and then he locks him in the ankle log and, and Riddle has no choice but to tap out. So kind of a protective finish for Matt, even though he was going to lose anyway. Gunther standing tall and then you just hear the sword unsheathe and Drew McIntyre comes out to the big hometown pop. He ends up delivering a Claymore 
uh, to Gunther and he rips off his shirt and he says, I'm back, baby. And he's loving life. And it looks like he's coming after the Intercontinental Championship, which makes sense from a storyline standpoint, because he was the one who lost to Gunther at WrestleMania. That was the last time we saw him. So we've heard all these reports about how Drew is unhappy with creative and his contract is going to expire and he's not even close to re-signing. And then Triple H SP3 hops up on the uh, the press conference afterwards, was asked about it, and it said, if Drew had a problem, it's news to me. You know, we're, we're, we're texting each other back and forth, laughing about all these reports, and he's good to go, and we, we hope he's here for the rest of his career. So are you buying, SP3, that things are all good between Drew McIntyre and WWE? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I know this company way too well. If everything was good... <laughs> We wouldn't, we wouldn't, he, you wouldn't do all this. You wouldn't do all this. All this fake bravado from, from Triple H. Oh, we love, we're laughing at this. That means there was, there was something serious to these reports because he had to call him about it. He admitted it. <laughs> he admitted it. He admitted that they called each other about the report. So, of course, there was something to it. So, I don't think everything's all good. I think that Drew McIntyre, they presented him with another matchup with Gunther at a pay-per-view, at a pay-per-view like SummerSlam. You get to have the big return pop in the UK. You get the big program for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam. You're the first real threat for Gunther. You oh, yeah, can, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, they can do all of that and... I think it just worked for Drew McIntyre. It was like, okay, this sounds like an idea. It makes sense for me to come back after doing that at WrestleMania. I've been gone since then. This is the natural progression. And maybe they're starting the story of him leading to a heel turn down the road, which a lot of people have been talking about. So I think it would just work for Drew McIntyre. But do I believe everything is all good in between Drew McIntyre and WWE? I don't believe anything until I get a report that Drew McIntyre has re-signed. We didn't get any of that. We had no. him return, but we had no reports about them re-signing. That's when I would say something after that would be what any other promoter and and company would have done after they re-signed them did the whole comment about oh we laugh at, at at those reports and stuff you don't do it after he just returns like no one said that he was gone everybody said he hadn't re-signed and we still have not heard anything about them being him being re-signed with the company yeah um i i look i think there was obviously some smoke to the reports i think there was some truth to the reports could they have been vastly overblown? Absolutely, they could have. But there were still some some obvious issues there, um, you know, whether it came down to money or, or something else. But those happen with everybody in every contact contract negotiation phase. Right. So um, I do believe that Drew, uh, we had reports ahead of WrestleMania that he was having some back problems. So when Triple H says, look, he needed to go get something fixed. And while he was out, he wanted to get something else fixed. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, believe Triple H on that one. I'll say this much, though. Um, considering the fact that Triple H responded to the question in the in the way that he did at the press conference and the fact that commentary went out of the way to dismiss the reports. Michael Cole with the, the line of Drew McIntyre's demise in WWE, those rumors were false, like dropping that line and, and Wade Barrett said something similar. Boy, if Drew walks at the end of the year or even early next year, if they extend his contract due to injury, right? Because they've done that before. Yeah. Boy, that's egg on their face. That is that is yes. big time egg on their face. So they better be damn confident that they're going to be able to sign Drew McIntyre to a contract extension because if he walks and he goes over to, to AEW, boy, 
Like, I'm not saying he's going to go in there and cut a promo on him because he has respect for, for WWE yeah. and everything that they've done for him. I'm not saying he's going to do that. He's not going to do the tell all interview type stuff, but they're going to look pretty damn dumb uh, if he winds up in another company this time next year. We have new, I feel like I've said this a lot recently, SP3. We have new women's tag team champions in WWE, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan recapturing the titles after Shayna Baszler shocks is 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 not the word there's like there's not a word to describe how surprising this was where ronda rousey tags herself in in the closing seconds of the match and then Shayna baszler just goes ballistic on ronda and walks out Liv morgan is shocked uh she tags in raquel raquel quickly tags in Liv. She hits the Tabata bomb. Liv Morgan hits Oblivion. And then something we don't see very often, Ronda Rousey's shoulders are pinned to the mat for the one, two, three. Um, look, the fans popped. Everybody was stunned. No one saw it coming. What did you think about it, SP3? Like, this was, I felt like I had gone into a movie <laughs> and then the movie started and we just went to the inciting incident and then went to the end of the movie. Because, yo, we had nothing leading up to this. Nothing on TV, nothing in this match led to this moment. It was one of those baffling situations where it was just like, it was one of those moments that I've had multiple times in the past year and a half where I've said, damn, Mercedes and Trinity were right. They don't <laughs> give a crap about these WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. You gave Shayna and Ronda the, the titles, the, the vacant titles after Liv and Raquel went down. You had to unify them with the NXT Tag Team titles. You're trying to build this whole division. And they are the same team that eight days later, you turn on each other after nothing. Nothing. There was nothing in this match. Nothing that led up to this. It was so baffling, but it was just another epiphany moment of Mercedes and Trinity were right. I don't know if I buy into that. Um, because, look, we get the report out from Wrestling Observer that Ronda Rousey has given WWE a hard out, right? So she got hurt. They wanted to do... Th this is all coming down to timing. And I do think it happened very fast, right? But... I liked the shock factor of it. I did. I wasn't expecting it. I like to be surprised. And I know it, it seemed like absolutely nothing. This came out of the absolute blue because they were working great as a team in this match until Shayna had the Kirifuda clutch locked in. Liv Morgan gets up. She was able to back um, Shayna into the corner, but Liv was still down and out and was a, a wounded animal, like ready to be picked apart. And then Ronda Rousey tags herself in. And then Shayna immediately attacks Ronda. So I look at what how these two have been booked over the last, since WrestleMania, right? Since Ronda got hurt and she came back and she did absolutely nothing in that match. Shayna did all the damage and then Ronda got tagged in and came in and locked in her arm bar and won the match, right? That's all she's done. Could That's the only thing that I've been able to come up with is Shayna has been doing all the work. Ronda's been collecting all the glory. And when Ronda tagged herself in and because Shayna had the match in hand and Ronda tagged herself in to go get the win, Shayna was like, F that. That's literally all I've been able to come up with. And I'm wondering if that is, in fact, what the story is that they're going to go with here is that she was she just said, screw this. I already saw 
how this is going to go. Once again, I'm going to be living in Ronda Rousey's shadow while you collect all the glory. Uh, and you know, we do this dominant tag team run. Nah, uh-uh. I'm, I'm going. I'm no. I wasn't going to stand for that. I wasn't going to be second you fiddle. You have again. to tell this story. You don't. You can't just expect people to search for a reason. They have to actually properly tell the story. And I'm and hoping we get it. that. Yes. And I, I think it's too many times in WWE that people just be like, "Well, I was surprised, so I thought it was good." No, that's there's a good shocking and there's there's a bad shocking. I was good shocked by Jimmy Uso being the one to turn on Roman Reigns at Night of Champions. They there's the bad shocks, like Shockmaster. That is not a that is not a good shot. Uncle Howdy. Like we have seen bad bad shocks. This is more leaning towards those than the other way. But they can make it better with what they can produce in this feud. And I understand people want to say, "Oh, it's all Ronda. She has an out in her contract." You knew this for months. This has been talked about for months. Yeah. This has been talked about for months. People have been asking, how long is Ronda Rousey's contract for? How long is she going to be here for? Why does she not want to be the SmackDown Women's Champion? Why does she want a tag team run? And they said when they put the tag team together, there was reports that it's going to lead to them having a feud with each other. That's why it's up to WWE to properly convey a story on their television, which they did not, and just did a betrayal out of nowhere because they were like, shocking. I, I'm 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 genuinely curious how much Liv Morgan's injury played a role in this, um, because Liv gets hurt, so they had to crown new tag team champions. Ronda and Shayna always wanted to be the tag team champions together, so they went ahead and said, "Yep, let's go ahead and give you the belts." And look, their reign was not very long, but it still had an impact because yeah. the way that they wrestled, the way that they uh, bumped their asses off, the way that they put over the other teams, even though. They were the ones that came out on top. It helped build up the division. So I disagree with, you know, MCAST in the chat saying, yeah, it's a great moment, but what did it do for Alba Fire and Isla Dawn? Alba Fire and Isla Dawn controlled that most of that matchup and looked good against them. Now it's all about what WWE does moving forward because they have established who the tag teams are. For better or worse, for what it means for Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are now the tag team in the women's division, and I think they do work well with one another. And there was a story of them coming back and winning the titles that they never lost. And Liv, again, I think I wonder if the injury changed something, and then I'm wondering if it changed again when she came back because they thought maybe she would be out all summer, and all of a sudden now she's back by Money in the Bank, and we can go, oh, well, this is perfect. We can have Shayna turn here, and we can still do the match by the by SummerSlam, and then Ronda's gone, and everything's fine. So I think injuries played a factor in this, but I am interested to hear what Shayna has to say, and I'm hoping it is something similar to what I laid out, because I do think that that makes sense from a storyline standpoint. But yeah, right now it's just me grasping at straws and trying to read the tea leaves of what I have seen uh, play out in the matches. And I could be completely wrong because I have been before. Number four here, let's change uh, pace here. Go over to AEW because we did have a couple of big announcements this week, including we knew it was coming sooner or later, right? Blood and Guts 3 is going to be happening uh, June 19th, TD Gardens. Boston, Massachusetts. It's going to be the elite. It's going to be the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, Eddie Kingston is now involved in this. Uh, he has found himself in the middle, uh, begrudgingly having to team with the elite as he tries to, to pull John Moxley away from the Blackpool Combat Club because he does not like this path that he is, that these guys, including Claudio Casagnoli, who we know he can't stand, 
he's taken John Cena down or John John Cena, John Moxley down yeah. this route. It's yeah. all about Claudio. It's not about but it's not about whatever ways of Blackpool Combat Club. It's about Claudio. It's Claudio. It's yeah, about, it's all Claudio. It's all about Claudio. You're 100 percent right. I love those two. Uh, during John's match on Wednesday, never taking their eyes off of each other. Never. Like, Claudio was staring him down like he was the Terminator, and he was looking at the first chance to take out Eddie Kingston. And it's a nice wrinkle that they threw into this. I love Renee getting involved as well, going full mom mode, screaming, screaming at both John and Eddie Kingston to fix this shit uh, backstage. I love her, her integration in all of this as well. But with Brian Danielson now out with that broken forearm, Again, goat level status shit here where he thinks he's got a fracture. He wrestles for 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, like three days later, Brie Bella puts or Brie Garcia puts up a uh, a photo of his x-ray. And it is the cleanest forearm break you will ever see in your life. This man wrestled with one arm for 10 minutes and utilized his uh, his technical prowess to still lock into the bell lock using his feet. Goat level shit from Brian Danielson. I asked Wheeler Yuta about uh, how Danielson was doing after that match, by the way. So make sure to tune in on Wednesday uh, and hear his account of that. But still, regardless, um, it's interesting to see with Eddie Kingston's involvement and, and Brian Danielson out. How do you think they handle things with blood and guts as far as what the actual match, how it's actually going to be constructed? Five on five somehow, four on four. What are you thinking they're going to do? I'm thinking they do a five on five, so, but you have to understand with that, this means, you know, Brian Danielson is going to be out obviously with a broken forearm. Eddie Kingston is going to be in the G1 climax. MCAS says BCC to Keshna and Shooter. Shooter won't be in there because he's in the G1 as well. So then you, with the pieces that you have left, you do the elite of Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, the Young Bucks, and I think this whole blood and guts was the stage to bring in Koto Obushi, bring in Koto Obushi into AEW. I think that would be the big thing, the big surprise for this matchup. And I think they should still stick with that. So you have Koto Obushi as the fifth man for the elite. The golden elite is back together. Then on the other side, you do the BCC, John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio Castanoli. You bring in Kanosuke Takeshita. And Don Callis, because, ladies and gentlemen, the wow. first War Games ever was a little matchup that not a lot of people know the participants in. But I'll tell you who the participants were. <laughs> it was the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal, Nikita mm. Koloff, Dusty Rhodes, and Paul Ellering. Yes, Paul Ellering, a manager. And they defeated the four horsemen of Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, Tully Blanchard, and J.J. Dillon, a manager. And I think that the way you bring in a couple of the different storylines, because there's the one central storyline of the elite versus Blackpool Combat Club. But you also have the, the kind of outlary storyline that's probably going to become bigger when this center one, uh, you know, blows off, which is going to do at Blood and Guts. You have the Don Callis, Kenny Omega, Konosuke Takeshna situation. Then you also have the outlier of Eddie Kingston and John Moxley and that whole issue with Claudio being in the Blackpool Combat Club with Moxley. You can't take care of that one in this matchup because Kingston's going to be in Japan. So you center on the other outlary feud of Don Callis, Konosuke Takeshita versus Kenny Omega, and you pit Callis in blood and guts. 
I think it would be perfect for him. I can see him kind of taking taking his spots to do certain things and get involved. And then finally, in the end, he can be the one that takes the fall for the team. So it protects everybody on the Blackpool Combat Club and Takeshita. Yeah, I I would kind of like to see Don Callis just, you know, uh, trying trying to do his best to just run and hide inside the, you know, confined area of the blood and guts right just trying to play chicken and the whole time however long this match goes last year's went 45 minutes right and it was total insanity like i still can't get that picture of angelo parker hanging upside down like he had just been strung up by predator just you know blood (laughs) blood dripping down right there's just some certain things that um man that just really hit home uh just stick in your head like that but it, it would be a shame if Eddie Kingston can't be in this with Claudio because this whole, remember, Claudio was in Blood and Guts last year. It was like his third day on the job in AEW, and he was in Blood and Guts, and he stole Eddie's victory. Eddie was on top of the cage. He had Jericho locked in the submission. Jericho was struggling to tap, and then all of a sudden, Claudio puts the sharpshooter on Matt Menard, and he taps out instantly and steals Eddie's victory. Uh, that this would be kind of like, especially with the way that Eddie is really starting to focus on Claudio. It'd be a shame if Eddie can't be involved in that. Now I know he's in the G one, but is there any, like any way that they can make both of those work from a logistical standpoint? No, no like no tapings, no, no nothing. No, it's, it's, it's not going to happen and it's okay because they can just focus on that coming out of the blood and guts. Like I said, the whole Takeshita, we're still going to get the Takeshita versus uh, Omega matchup one-on-one now probably be at either all in or all out, depending on what other matchups they have planned. But I think the Eddie Kingston kind of uh, story element of this, he's not really a part of this elite ver- versus Blackpool yeah, combat true, club. He's that, an outlier. Yeah. He's not necessary for this to be blown off it's all about blowing off the elite and the blackpool combat club so most of the members are going to be from those two units that have been a part of this storyline that started in march y'all we've been seeing this long this uh multi months of this faction warfare and it all blows off at blood and guts and it's something i've wanted for blood and guts since they created this i wanted it to not start a feud i wanted it to blow off a feud and it finally feels like they're able to do that with the elite and blackpool combat club uh this past saturday on aew collision it was all about the uh the owen hart cup tournament we had three quarterfinal matchups and the semis are now set uh, for the men and they were the two matchups that most of us wanted right we're getting samoa joe versus cm punk and then on the other side it is ricky starks versus powerhouse hobbs sp3 um the women's tournament not as far progressed right now but I got to think that Ruby Soho, based off of her promo last week on Dynamite, Britt Baker, unfortunately, uh, fell sick. Same illness that got Adam Cole uh, at uh, at Forbidden Door. Um, she wasn't able to, to wrestle last week, so her and Ruby are going to wrestle this Wednesday on Dynamite. Um, so that tournament is not as further progressed, but we got a few quarterfinal matchups that are in. I know Athena has moved on to the next round, um, and I believe it's Athena and Willow this Saturday on collision in, uh, in their next matchup. Is that correct? Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I got to feel like Ruby is a favorite. I got to feel like Athena is a favorite considering she's riding this big win streak right now. Hasn't lost since uh, it was against Jay Cargill at all out the men's court, the men's semifinals. Very, very interesting. I think there's a, a lot of different ways that they could go with this. Who are your favorites to win these tournaments, men's and women's respectively right now? 
Owen Hart, uh, men's tournament, I'm going with CM Punk. I think Punk defeats Joe on Saturday. I think Ricky defeats Powerhouse Hobbs, and it's Ricky and Punk in the finals, and I think Punk wins that one. The women's one, I, I've also been very confident who I'm picking there. I think it's Willow Nightingale because I think Willow might have, might not make it back from Japan with the a New Japan Strong Women's Championship. She faces Julia on Wednesday in Corrigan Hall, and I don't know if she's going to make it out with that title because Julia is one of the best wrestlers in the world from stardom. So I think that the way that they're going to have her rebound is her beating the ROH Women's World Champion, the first person to beat Athena in nearly a year. This sets up sets her up as the number one contender for the ROH Women's World Championship, and then also she's going to win the Owen Hart Cup and probably defeat Ruby Soho in the finals. <sighs> Man, are they going to have Ruby lose the finals twice? Are yes. they really going to have Ruby lose in the yep. finals twice? Absolutely. She should have won last year. Yes, she should have, but couples. <laughs> uh, I still got, I'm, I'm still going to mm. see. This is hard, man. Cause I could easily see them doing Ruby versus Willow in the finals, right? I could I could see that happening for sure and that makes sense, you know, obviously with those two um, you know, having a bit of some history with one another. I could see them putting Sky Blue honestly in the finals. So you know, you have the Outcasts who cost Britt Baker the match against Ruby on Wednesday, then Britt Baker and, you know, uh she she cost Ruby the match or her semifinal matchup against Sky Blue. You can elevate Sky to the finals. And in that case, then you would have her face Athena, right? So I think a lot will be settled about what they're going to do there. It might be telegraphed here a little bit. I don't know if they do heel versus heel or baby versus baby uh, in, in a situation. They're going to want to have one versus the other, right? Yeah, I think only one of these tournaments is going to have baby face versus baby face in the finals. And I think it's the men's. I think Ricky yeah. Stark's going to be powerhouse Hobbs to set him up to verse CM Punk to pay off all the weeks they've been working together against Bullet Club Gold. But on the on the women's end, I think that, you know, Sky Blue, she got the big win over Anna Jay. She's been yep. getting a lot of play. Like, they've been having her work on Rampage, ROH tapings, collision tapings, dynamite tapings. Yeah. She's be really been focused on. But I think that's enough of a push in having a competitive matchup with Ruby Soho. I think Ruby benefits more of making it to the finals. And then she has another story for next year's Owen Hart Cup. Is she going to keep being the nearly girl, or is she going to finally win? win the cup next year. She has another chance to tell a different story. I will say this as far as punk and Starks are concerned. I do think that's going to be the finals. Um, punk makes the most sense. Obviously they're, they're going to ride him, you know, as much as they can. Ricky better beat powerhouse Hobbs. It took like powerhouse Hobbs. It took three people, three different outside interferences. That annoys me so much. Dustin Rhodes. Like, look, you can have Dustin have a competitive matchup. I get it. There's part of me that actually there's a, I do not a part of me. I love this like old gunslinger style vibe that I get from Dustin Rhodes where he's still dangerous and he's still trying to survive out in the old West. He's not ready to, to put down his gun just yet. Right. I, there, I love that vibe from him. And if you want him to have a competitive match with Hobbs, more than the four-minute squash that I thought this was going to be, that's fine. But to get not one, not two, but three different outside interferences and at least and one good 
cold cocked right hand from QT Marshall before Powerhouse Hobbs put him down. Ricky better whoop, whoop Power Hobbs ass uh, when those two face off. And that's the story because, like, Ricky, Ricky and Punk, they're setting something up there. Like, because they're supposed yeah. to be buddy buddy. And I still think Punk is going to lean more heavily into his heel side of things. And I think that might be the direction they go because Punk, whether they want to make him a full blown heel or not, because right now he's getting the John Cena reaction 50 50 from the, from the crowds. At least that's what it was uh, in Canada this past week. Um, he's going to cheat to beat Ricky. Like he's going to win and he's going to cheat to beat Ricky. And he's really going to lean into that heel role because that's what he really loves. And that's what he misses doing. And that's what he's honestly the best at. But you cannot have powerhouse Hobbs beat Ricky Starks after he needed that much help to beat no. Dustin Rhodes. Please don't, don't do that. Don't do that to us. And how does, why does, why does he need freaking to have the spine buster kicked out at a one? Dustin kicked out it at one. I thought it was funny when WWE had the Seth Rollins and Finn Balor matchup do the kick out at one. I was like, you're no Kenny Omega. <laughs> uh, and then and then the own their own company did it again on collision. And I was like, was it worth it for Dustin Rhodes? Was it worth it to have Hobbs finisher kick out at one? Oh god. MCAS says uh, Ruby can't finish her story either. I, I want Ruby to win this. I really do. She needs to win something. She needs to win something. And I think that would be a nice little, you know, honestly, it would be like my idea for what I wanted out of damage control, which was EO Sky to win the, the Women's World Championship standing on side of Bailey on one side and, and Dakota Kai winning Queen of the Ring when they were actually going to do Queen of the Ring before she got her ACL injury on the other side. It would be the same thing. It would be Soraya standing in the middle with the outcast with Tony Storm holding the World Championship and Ruby holding the Owen Hart Cup. That's what I would want to see. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Um, no, nope. won't <laughs> happen. She's not allowed. She can't finish the story, damn it. But she, this would be her third tournament that she made it to the finals and lost. She was in the finals of the TBS title tournament, the yep. finals of last year's Owen Hart Cup. This she needs to make it three tournaments in a row. She makes it to the finals and she loses. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. SP3, what you got going on on True Heel Heat this week? Well, check out earlier today, we did our NJPW Strong Independence Day preview, breaking down the cards for tomorrow and on Wednesday. That has Willow Nightingale versus Julia for the Strong Women's Championship. Got Eddie Kingston versus Kenta for the Strong Openweight Championship. We talked about those matches, as well as John Moxley versus El Desperado Final Death. And that's going to be on those cards as well. So check that out over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. Check out the flagship show. Check out our collision review collision course uh we did it late night yesterday it was strange because i haven't done anything late night in a in a while well on here um yeah. but yes <laughs> uh it was a lot of fun me and sober i jj talk about aew collision and check out our money in the bank review as well and you could follow me on the twitter machine at true hill sp3 as long as it's working for you hopefully it's it's working for you because that was a giant pain in the ass on saturday because, like, Saturday, I'm doing a radio show live in Cincinnati because I picked up a shift because I'm an idiot because I forgot that Money in the Bank was going on at 3 o'clock, right? So I'm like, oh, fuck, they're in London. Damn it. So now I'm going to be doing this show and trying to watch the Reds game at the same time that freaking Money in the Bank is on, but I was able to keep track of most of it, and I, I, I did fine. But, man, when you rely on Twitter for engagement for radio shows and to talk about 
money in the bank and you're doing these live streams. Like Twitter is a vital tool for us. And for D-bag genius in charge to limit the use for everybody for like three days for some damn reason. That was such a pain in the ass this weekend. Mine's finally working now. You can follow me at Rick Uccino, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O for those who are listening on the podcast channel uh, where we are available everywhere that podcasts are available. Again, check out my conversation with Wheeler Yuta. That's going to drop on Wednesday. My conversation with Jimmy Wang Yang is going to drop on Friday. Uh, find out what's going on, uh, the latest in his career. And he's heading back to Japan. And uh, you can catch me live this Saturday uh, night on the Fightful YouTube channel uh, with the AEW Collision review show i'm not going to be on redacted this week because i i gotta work at the, the saturday, saturday saturday Saturday. you know this song is growing saturday, on me as far as saturday. as far as an opener it, it works it works thank you guys so much who uh stuck with us here for an hour and 20 minutes on uh what is a holiday for most people enjoy your fourth of july two Go more stay- subscribers two more two subscribers more <laughs> two more subscribers come on it's the believe in pro wrestling podcast brought to you by bet online have fun everybody happy fourth of july Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.